interrupted. Is there anything Chicago can do to make this outcome different or at least extend this series to where it's not a sweep? What they mm. could do is they can pick up the phone and, oh and call some of them <laughs> shoot, call some of them shooters in South South Chicago and have them try to grab Giannis up. That's the only way. The only way they're gonna win this series is if some of them we South South Chicago shooters. I'm not promoting violence. They out just there. have they have to kidnap Giannis somehow and hold him until this series is over. If Giannis is playing, the Bulls don't stand a chance. What's up, what's up, and welcome to Certified Buckets, the can't-miss NBA podcast where we hit on all things hoops and culture, brought to you by Uninterrupted. As usual, I'm your girl, Ashley Nicole Moss, and I got my guys with me, Christian Winfield, Lethal Shooter, was popping, was cracking, was good. I'm hungry as hell right now. What else is new? What else Uh, is new? I'm I'm fasting. I'm fasting for Ramadan, so I can't eat anything while the sun is up. Oh, really? Oh, so you're real angry right now. Yeah, bro. It's tough. I'm not Muslim, but I do this every year. My best friend is Muslim, and um, it's just a nice, just like challenge. Uh, Yeah, willpower, discipline, shit is tough, but... You... Going through Ramadan in the middle of a playing series, that's got to be hectic. Right. You can't yeah, eat any of that Barclays right. food. And the Barclays food don't even be that good. I'm not going to hold Those $30 tacos. Yo, Shout the tacos, tacos. $11, $11 for one taco. Not even here. I, I expensed it, put it on the company car. was not even worth the company car money. Listen, one time wow, for gentrification. You know what I'm saying? Card. I'm trying to get like you, right. Lethal. Nah. <laughs> I'm Pope. Before we get into today's show and, you know, thanking everybody for tuning in, I want to go ahead and send my deepest condolences and my prayers to my hometown of Brooklyn, New York. Christian, your hometown of Brooklyn, New York, New York City. Um, Another mass shooting this time on a subway, in a subway station, people going to work. Just absolutely devastating, heartbreaking. Couldn't even imagine yeah. Being in a subway car with no way out and just praying mm. that you make it back home to your loved ones. There are so many people who aren't going home to their loved ones today or yesterday, rather, when we um, you know, recorded this podcast. So I just want to go ahead and send my condolences and my prayers to all those affected. And New Yorkers are resilient. And once again, we will get through this, but we shouldn't have to. So... That, that's my two cents on that. It's crazy that that shooting happened literally two, three blocks away from where the Nets practice. Mm. And um, on a usual morning, I would have been heading in that direction. It's the closest train station stop to the practice uh, facility. Mm. I just so happened to not have to go to their practice this morning. And the person that replaced me drove. So no one took the train. But that's how mm. crazy it could have been. I could have been yeah. in that area. And God knows what would have happened. So prayers out to those families and uh, the, the parties that got sure. hurt. Absolutely. Brooklyn, thinking of you as always. New York City, thinking of you as always. On a more positive note, we want to thank you all so much for supporting the show. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast wherever you happen to be listening. Get at us on social media at Certified Buckets. No vowels in the word buckets because we're too cool for all of that. We're on Instagram and Twitter. Interact with us and maybe you'll hear your comments on the show. The playoffs are officially here, so clap it up for the playoffs finally being here. It took us a while to get here. About time. And four playoff series are officially set in stone, and the play-in tournament started yesterday. So we are going to go ahead and do a playoff preview in this edition of 315. All right, y'all. Check ball. It's time for us. 
So topic number one, we are going to start in the Eastern Conference where the defending champions, the Milwaukee Bucks, who still have me blocked on Twitter, by the way. Petty as hell. Um, <laughs> very petty. They're still, they can hold a grudge in Milwaukee, apparently. Um, we'll go ahead and take on the Chicago Bulls. Now, the Bucks have been a powerhouse all season, super solid, but the Bulls have kind of struggled to finish the season as strong as they started. They went 7-15 and 15 after the All-Star break. Christian, who do you have winning this series, and in how many games do you have them doing so? Oh man, I, I think this is a pretty. I think this might be one of the easier series to 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 point out or to, to play out here because you know the the Bulls just don't have an answer for the Bucks, and it, mm. it's sad because we saw the Bulls get off to that hot start, but I think we all right. knew at some point they would cool off, and uh, they you know they they basically landed where I thought they'd end up in the first place. And remember, beginning of the season, I figured they'd either be really, really good, which they showed us, or they'd implode, and they ended up somewhere in the middle. And you you could kind of see that, you know, yeah, DeMar is good, but he's not the... I don't think he can be the best player on a championship team. And then you've got Levine, you've got Lonzo who went down, you've got a bunch of different guys who aren't used to... I'm not sure if Vooch is the answer at the center spot for them either. I think that's going to be the likely player that gets moved here. Um, maybe this offseason. So I think that you just look at the Bucs and you see what they've done. They're the defending champions, obviously. Uh, I don't think the I don't think the Bulls can win. If they win a game, I think they, that's probably as far as it goes. Five at most, but I, I wouldn't rule out a sweep here. It's interesting, too, because we spoke about earlier on this podcast, earlier in the season, especially Lethal and I, we didn't really believe in the chemistry of the team. Yeah, it was easy to start out hot. Nobody really knew what to expect from you guys. You were a new team. The tape wasn't out on you yet. But Lethal and I spoke about this heavily was that who are you when your back is against the wall? That's the difference maker between a team that has been playing together and has an identity versus a team that was just put together and consists of great talent, but not a great unit yet, if that makes sense. So we started to see that unfold a little bit when they were dealt with adversity. Who were you when your back was against the wall? And we found out that they don't have that identity yet. And I mean, the numbers show this. The Bucks have beaten Chicago in the regular season in this series, a sweep, 4-0. Mm. And then an even more interesting statistic, though, the Bulls are 2-21 and against the league's top four seeds in both conferences. So mm. East Coast to West Coast, they have only beaten a top four seed twice. Mm. That's not a great stat line, Lethal. I mean, <laughs> if you look at that, that's a little concerning. No, yeah, that's concerning. And, and, and like you said, again, we spoke about this um, all due respect to the Bulls. Um, they they did a great job in the beginning of the season, but the type of team they have, it'd be hard to withstand that for an entire season. And DeMar DeRozan, he's definitely one of the top players in the NBA. Well, unfortunately, sometimes without a three-point shot, some teams will give up a 40-piece when the person's um, driving to the basket shooting mid-range jump shots because the other team is coming down, knocking down three-point shots. So, like, you know, I kind of saw this coming. Um, so hopefully they make some changes and and put some more shooters uh, on the Bulls next year because they need a lot more threes um, for them to take things to the next level. Because I think with the team they have right now, all due respect, is just not enough. It's enough to to look good during the season, you know, to have a, a few spurts, but it's not enough to be a contender in the playoffs. I think it's interesting, though. I mean, Christian, I kind of want to get your take on this. Sure. We're thinking in, you know, the postmortem kind of situation, right? Like, okay, yeah, there's nothing right. you can do. You know, this is a dead series. But on the more optimistic side of things, 
Is there anything the Bulls can actually do to make this a series? Because look, anything can happen in the playoffs. And I say this all the time. What happens in the regular season, yeah, it might be an indication of how a series will unfold, especially if you swept the team in the regular series. But we've seen crazier things happen. We've seen teams sweep a team in the regular season and then lose against them in the playoffs. It's a different beast. The game is different. The energy is different. Is there anything Chicago can do to make this outcome different or at least extend this series to where it's not a sweep? What they mm. can do is they can pick up the phone and, oh and call some of them <laughs> shoot go. call some of them shooters in Southside Chicago and have them try to grab Giannis up. That's the only way. The only way they're gonna win this series is if some of them Southside Chicago shooters. I'm not promoting violence. They out just there. have they have to kidnap Giannis somehow and hold him until this series is over. If Giannis is playing, the Bulls don't stand a chance. I mean, look. You see yeah. how big Greek freak is? You can't kidnap him. This is this is when I knew that, you know what I'm saying, Giannis was a problem. We already knew this. We asked Kevin Durant about Giannis, and he said, yo, right. basically his stat line is absolute. There's nothing you can do to stop him. He's going to get his right. numbers. When you get right. Kevin Durant saying something like that, I'm like, oh, no. Nah. There's nothing you're going to be able to do. The Bulls, I'm right. sorry. You had a great season. It's nice to see you guys back in the playoffs. Y'all got some work to do, and <laughs> we'll leave it at that. What's that work th- look like, though? What's that mm. piece that they need? You know, the thing about the playoffs is, is it's a double-edged sword, right? It can give you a false sense of c- accomplishment as a team. Sure. Like, we mm-hmm. weren't that bad. We made the playoffs. which is one of the reasons I was happy my Knicks didn't. Right. Because we don't need any false hope for what, what transpired this right, past right, season. Right. Sure. But on the positive end right. of things, it can also give you just a microscopic look at what the team needs to get better because the best way to dictate what you need to get better is when you face a team that's drastically better than you mm-hmm. for multiple games in a series. You have four opportunities minimum to see, okay, when we play a team on the caliber of the Milwaukee Bucks, what do we need to compete with them next season? What does that mm-hmm. piece look like? You know, I, I think for the Bulls, there's two things they need, right? Number one, I don't think Vooch is the answer at the five. I think he's talented, mm-hmm. but for that team specifically, I think they need like a dominant rim presence that can protect. Like I'm thinking of what Robert Williams does for Boston, right? You need somebody like that who's going to patrol the paint, be able to finish at the rim, catch lob, has a dunk on people. And, and then on top of that, I love the, the offense running through DeMar DeRozan, but I think they also need like a, a veteran point guard presence, right? Like go out there and try to get Malcolm Brogdon off the Pacers. Even if that's right. the guy I want for the Knicks, I would love if the Knicks would get Malcolm Brogdon. If the if the Bulls are able to get Malcolm Brogdon, I think they become a much more complete team. So that's where I would start for them. I feel like, uh, like you're saying with Boston, you need one of those guys to just catch the ball and dunk and run and gun and block shots. And that's what that's what the Bulls don't have. And a lot of people use that against them. All due respect to DeMar bringing the ball up a lot and all due respect to DeMar playing one-on-one a lot. Um, that's not going to help the Bulls take it to the next level. It's like what you said. They need that dominant point guard that's able to get in the gaps and make other people better and take their game to the next level. And I think that I take a lot more pressure off DeMar because, you know, he's scoring a lot of points, but the way he has to score is so tough. It's so hard. And for somebody to try to maintain that throughout an entire season is rough. And Giannis, yes, he can do that because the pieces he have around him, you know, he has a lot of all-stars around him. And most importantly, he has the complete pieces that sometimes he can take breaks. Unfortunately, DeMar can't take breaks because in this system, when he takes breaks, they go down really bad, like really bad. 
All right. So for topic number two, we're going to keep things on the best coast. That's the East Coast Mm -hmm. (laughs) in the Eastern Conference. And this time we're going to talk about the four-seeded Philadelphia 76ers versus the five-seeded Toronto Raptors. Now, the Sixers are coming in as the slight favorites. But as we know, it feels like this team is on the brink of blowing up. Like the experiment, the process, whatever you want to call it, has just not been good from top to bottom. So Lethal... Who do you have winning this series? And in how many games do you have them doing so? I feel like this is one of the more interesting ones that we're going to see early on. No, I have to agree, but I have the 76ers. I think James Harden has something to prove. And most importantly, Joel Embiid. Um, The Raptors don't have anybody to stop him the force he's at. It's going to hurt them losing one of their best defenders that he's not going to be able to play in some of the games in Toronto. But I don't think that's going to change anything because... Um, I think with everybody's being so hard on James Harden right now, I think he's going to prove himself in this round right here to show like I am who I am. I'm not saying he's going to do that in the second or third round, but I have I have the 76ers in this round for sure. Now, does it change your opinion at all that the Raptors have won this series three times versus the 76ers one time? And also the Raptors are 34 and 17 since December 31st. So this is a team that has been moving and grooving, as Clyde Frazier would say, for a couple of months now. So the trajectory, the chemistry, just all of the good energy is on the side of the Toronto Raptors. I mean, listen, the 76ers not going to take away from Embiid, not Mm going to take away from Harden, although, you know, Mm -hmm. if you ask Nets fans, he's washed. But that's still a really good duo. They have just seemed to struggle a little bit in this last few stretch of games. Does that change anything for you? It doesn't change anything for me. The one thing I learned about the podcast, when I say something, I got to stick to it. That's what you do. (laughs) So I'm going to stick to it. And I, and I have the 76ers in this series for sure. I stand by my word with that. Christian, I, I know you excited to to talk some things about James Harden, a.k.a. the former <laughs> Scary Hours member. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I mean, before we get into the Sixers, you got to give the Toronto Raptors their flowers. I mean, mm. yep. they are they play such a confusing defense. They they scramble, they throw, mm-hmm. they they get teams completely out of where their comfort zone is offensively, and it works, right? Every team, like I have a lot of people reaching out to me about like sports bets, and they'll pick games against the Raptors. I'm like, yo, do not bet on offensive stat lines against the Raptors because they will shut your players down, and that's how it is. That's how they do. And to be honest, their defense reminds me of the Boston Celtics. Like they're a Jason Tatum caliber player mm-hmm. away from being another level of the Celtics. So you know, I really like them. But it's tough because Embiid is the best player in this in this series, as, as Lethal said. So it, it real it really boils down to James Harden and what version of James Harden that you're going to get. We've seen James Harden not really play his best games under pressure, but we've also seen him have pretty good moments under pressure as well. And I think this is a big moment for him because if he comes for up sure. short, if he comes up short in this series, <sighs> now the Sixers are looking like okay, we might not be able to win with you, right? Oh that's God. that's tough. Right. So. Part of me wants to say James Harden is going to live up to the expectations because he has no choice to, but the Raptors are that good where, yeah. think about it, they can put OG on him, they could put Scotty Barnes on him. I watched Scotty yep. Barnes rip oh Kevin Durant God, two dull. times in a row. Scotty yeah. Barnes was my rookie of the year. We'll get into that. Yeah, um, yeah it's going to be tough. I think this one's going seven. Um, and if it goes seven, wow. I'll take I'll take the Sixers because they have James, uh, not James, because they have Joel Embiid. Now, does the fact that the 76ers are going to have an ineligible player due to Canada's vaccine status mandate 
um, that player is Matisse Thibault. Is yeah. that change anything for you that, you know, they're going to be short a guy when they go ahead and play in the six? Yeah, not just a guy. That's their best perimeter best defender. defender. Yeah. yeah. So now you don't have him in three of their seven games. That's tough, right? So you got to really prioritize home court advantage. But um, yeah. I-, I think that series is really going to come down to Joel, uh, Joel Embiid being Joel Embiid, which is, we're thinking, 35, 36, 37 mm. points, 15 rebounds, three blocks a game. Uh, and James Harden really stepping up to the plate and averaging a triple-double, hitting big shots, doing it efficiently. And he's got to make the guys around him better. I thought the Nets needed to try to get Tobias Harris in that deal because I didn't want James Harden to come there and take him to another level. We haven't seen that yet, right? We need no. James Harden to elevate Tobias Harris's game as right. well. That's right. something that we need to see from them if they're going to advance in this series. I think it's interesting because James Harden's kind of been through the ringer this season in more ways than one from, you know, demanding, you know, out of Houston to the Brooklyn experiment, just not going well. Then he gets to Philly and it's not instant success. Maybe like the fans thought it would be Nets fans are calling them washed. It's a war of the Xers. There's a lot going on, but (laughs) you know, the numbers show that when Harden and Embiid are on the floor, they outscored their opponents by almost 16 points per 100 possessions. So it's not like this duo is not successful. It's just about recreating that success, not traditionally, but frequently rather. Right. You know, it's it's yeah. about doing it when it counts, not doing it sporadically. And I think that's what we need to see to really believe in this duo of Harden and Embiid. Because I think that we've seen it in glimpses. You know, we talked about it when Harden first got to Philly, how the chemistry mm-hmm. just seemed to be automatic. And then something happened where it kind of regressed and you were looking at James Harden like, oh, here we go again. Just when we need him the most, he's starting to regress a little bit. So it's going to be interesting. I think it could just be a matter of new situation, new team, trying to find your footing a little bit. And it maybe is just the perfect storm that it happened when it didn't really count. And mm-hmm. maybe we're going to see the James Harden that everyone, you know, has been hoping he can be in the playoffs. I know that Philly desperately needs that because Embiid, as talented as he is, I don't think he can do it alone against a, a deep Toronto Raptors team. I don't think James Harden can afford to not show up as his right. best self that's this all, series. That's all. That's After everything think. we've seen from him in these last two years, when we're talking about how he forced his way out from Houston, <sighs> we're talking about this season, how he dogged right. it in Brooklyn, right? He dogged it in Brooklyn, basically Crazy. didn't even play in his last few games, forced the trade, had a great opening first, what, three, four mm-hmm. games, and then regressed to the James Harden that I was covering earlier this season. He's got to play like 2018 MVP he Houston Harden. Crazy. He has to. If right. he doesn't, I'm if I if he doesn't and I'm Joel Embiid, I'm looking at management like this is the He's guy out. who you paired me with. I don't right. know, right? So I don't think it's just management. I think if James Everybody. Harden fails to show up, it's no longer, oh, it was a bad situation or it, oh, you know, it was, you know, not right. a full team or oh, you know, Kyrie this or oh, Kevin Durant was injured or oh, the, now it's James Harden, you're the problem because yep. you can't go yep. to four teams in your career and every single time it doesn't work or manifest into a championship or a deep run consistently, mm-hmm. it's not everybody else's fault. Now mm-hmm. everyone's looking at you. James, this is your fault. You're the common denominator. Now what? Now mm-hmm. what's your answer? So this is sink or swim for James Harden in terms of, you know, what people think of him as a just a extremely important part to a team that is going to make some noise and ultimately, hopefully, be a contender. It's either you're an asset or you're a liability. And mm. this is the year that James Harden can prove that he's an asset and not a liability. I agree 100%. 
All right, so we're going to go ahead and move on to the coast that Lethal calls home, and that's yep. the West Side, because the Western Conference Finals is one of my favorite matchups that we're going to see. The third seed, Golden State Warriors, versus the sixth seed, Denver Nuggets. Now, the Warriors, they were my pick as a team to beat. They came out the gate strong, but injuries had another idea for this team. Now, on the other side, the Nuggets, they have been carried Put a capital C on that by MVP candidate Jokic all year. But unfortunately, those additional pieces don't seem to be coming back anytime soon to take the load off of the MVP candidate himself. Christian, who do you have winning this series and in how many games? This is a tough one because there's a lot going on here. It's a very tough decision on this series. I want to go Warriors. Right, because number one, they have championship pedigree, they have championship history. You I I don't know that they have the best player on the floor. I'd like to think Steph is the best player on the floor, but you've got Jokic as well, who's I mean, it's splitting hairs between him and Joel Embiid for MVP. But I, I think that number one, you you've just got for Denver, you don't have Michael Porter Jr., mm. right? And and he's hurt. And and for for Golden State, you've got Steph, you've got Clay, you've got Draymond, you've got these other pieces. I think the Warriors just have so much depth. They've got familiarity in their system. Uh, and I think they have something to prove. Last year, they got bumped in the play-in, right? And they've got to prove that they're not just a team on the fringe, that they've got to actually, you know, get in. So um, I, I like them. I think that they'll they'll win this series, but I think it's going seven one way or the other. Wow. I have to agree with you as well. Like, I, it's tough. But I, like you're saying, I think Steph has something to prove. And most importantly, not just Steph, Clay Thompson. He's trying to prove to everybody that he's still the, the Clay Thompson that all of us believe who he is. In the last few games... If as, as you guys have been noticing, he's been shooting the basketball very well. So if Klay Thompson is spreading the floor for Steph Curry to come off those dribble handoffs with Draymond and the way Jordan Poole and all those other guys have been playing, I think this should be an easy series only because, like you guys were saying, the Nuggets are missing players. And as much as I love Jokic, you know, one person can't win an entire game. But if the Nuggets uh, had all of their pieces the, the way that we know who they are, I would honestly be picking the Nuggets in this series right now. You know, my concern is really about Steph right now because the timetable for his re- return is still uncertain. But okay. outside of that, you know, Steph is going to be Steph. He's going to try to get back to this team as soon as possible, especially, you know, facing a team like the Nuggets where they're going to make them work. Right. My yeah. concern, just like it is with any player of a certain age coming back from an injury, is getting him out there too soon. Because what can happen and what we have seen happen time and time again is a player comes back, he may not be as ready as he should be. Right. And what ultimately happens is what? He gets hurt again, and now right. the entire trajectory of your postseason is just off the rails. Right. That is my concern. You know, Steph Curry, his ankles, it just it constantly seems like a fighting battle in one way, shape, or form for him. Not to say that if anybody can't come back and return to fighting shape, it's Steph Curry. Yeah. But my concern mm-hmm. is pushing him and getting him out there too soon. It would be nice if the Warriors were deep enough without him to go ahead and compete against the Nuggets, A but then they games. still have they have other pieces that are mm-hmm. missing. Mm-hmm. You know, Andrew Wiggins, a piece that is missing. It just seems like every single time the Warriors get back together, something happens to break them apart. And I interviewed Draymond recently, and in our conversation, you know, we spoke about the inexperience of the younger core. Right. And I asked him if that was a concern for him. And he said, you know what? It is and it isn't. 
at the end of the day, yeah, you know, they are inexperienced, but they're surrounded by a lot of experience. So mm-hmm. that's going to rub off on them. And there's no better time like the present to learn and to make these guys work and give him that, give them that experience. So those guys aren't worried. The team's not worried. I think from a fan standpoint and just a basketball enthusiast standpoint, I'm worried about Steph being being pushed out there sooner than he's ready because they need him. That's I yeah. think that's what I'm looking at it. Yeah, if they don't if they don't have Steph Curry, all due respect to Clay and Draymond and Jordan Poon, all those guys, you know, they they're def- the Nuggets are going to take them down for sure. I'm I'm not so sure about that. You know, I think look yeah. the. Players for both teams were out for a lot, a large chunk of the season, yeah. right? Draymond mm-hmm. played what forty six games. Clay was out. Steph missed some games. They still finished the season winning five in a row. They still yeah. finished the season with fifty three wins on twenty nine losses. The Nuggets finished with 48, 48 and thirty four, right? So both of these teams had to battle adversity. I, I think it's, I think it's kind of going to be an even matchup. I think it's going to boil down to whether or not the Warriors are going to be able to find a way to slow down Jokic, right? That's really what right. it's going to be. If they can find, if Draymond can pull that out of his ass, then yeah. If he can they shut down, stop. if he yeah. can shut down Jokic, then yeah, that's really what it is. Because Steph is a right. cheat code. Steph leads the NBA in three point shots made. You he had two hundred eighty five. Jokic, you can only contain him. Contain it's tough. Him. It's yeah. tough. So yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that series because not only is it just about the talent, just stylistically in terms of basketball, how both teams play. I mean, head coaching both both teams amazing. I, that's one of those series where I just want to watch just for the purity of the game. It's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's kind of unfair that this is the matchup because I would like to see both these teams deeper in the playoffs. Yeah. And one of them got to go. Same like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's very unfair that this is one of the first matchups that we're getting because I really wanted to see both of these teams, you know, go the distance. But another little tidbit I got from Draymond is I asked him, you know, this team has faced a lot of adversity since mm-hmm. the 2019 season. Mm-hmm. You know, would the next title with this core be the most fulfilling? And he said, absolutely. So right. taking aside the Kevin Durant championships and all the championships that came before, he said the next one the Warriors win with this group of guys will be the most fulfilling of what it t- because of what it took for them to get there. So I right. thought that was interesting. But, yeah, well. you know, one thing about Draymond, he loves, you know, having something to come back to and be like, told you so. Hey, right. listen, you better get there first. There's no guarantee that they win another championship. You see them sons, you see them Grizzlies, the Mavericks is coming soon. Right. It, the Warriors need to get see, it together soon. you're one soon. of the people when he, you heard when, him I asked, ask. when I asked you heard him, him, ask. you I heard asked him. him, what do you have to say about people who said the championship window for the Warriors is closing? And he says, watch us work. So yeah, he, he's said, talking to you, Christian. Say that, I'm watching. Now y'all better work. <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you hear him ask, throw the Grizzlies in there? Yeah, the Grizzlies are tough. If the Grizzlies and the and the oh, now Warriors, you want the Grizzlies train. Listen, <laughs> yes, you you converted me. Okay, they are tough. <laughs> listen, if they if they got to play the Warriors, if it's Grizzlies Warriors in the seven game series, I'm probably going Grizzlies because that's a deep <laughs> team. And it's man. Shout out to them boys from Memphis. Facts. But we are going to move on to topic number four. We're going to keep things in the West though because. This series features two teams going in completely opposite directions, all right? We got the fourth seed Dallas Mavericks versus the fifth seed Utah Jazz. Now, the Mavericks ended the season 20-7 and in their last 27 games, so not too shabby. And the Jazz ended the season 4-7 and in their last 11. Not the greatest. But this series might be determined by a small calf injury obtained by the star of the Mavericks, Luka, who has no timetable to return. Now, with no timetable to return lethal, who do you have winning this series? Are, Are you... Are you concerned? 
Are you are you nervous? Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm very nervous. I'm very concerned because of all due respect to the Mavs players. If Luca doesn't play, this is an easy series for the Jazz because mm. as as much as I love those guys for the Mavs, they don't have anybody. I feel that can just make up for 30, 11, and, and almost eight assists a game. That's a that's a tough fulfillment. You know, not saying somebody won't step up, but for me watching them play, Luca's the he's the head and the tail um, of this team. Um, so let's hopefully see them come back. So the way things are looking right now at that calf, I have to go with the Utah Jazz only because. Wow. They, they're, they're, I mean, come on now, Spider. I mean, like Luca's tough the, though. We've seen him battle on I, one. I know, foot but he almost. can't. Like, he can't. <laughs> he can't be out there limping and playing around that's right true. now. This is the playoffs. So like the one thing we can say about Luca this season, he's been actually moving really fast. He's been playing elite. Now, if he slows down more. Um, within that offense, those numbers are going to go down because that means the pace is going to slow down. So, like, if he's hurt, I have to go with the Jazz. There's nothing, I mean, that's that's just point blank, frankly, because I know they're going to go smack at him. But let me ask you, the calf injury, how right. severe does a calf injury have to be to drastically affect your game? If it's a small calf injury, like they're saying, yeah. is it something that you shoot him up with cortisone, as ugly yeah. as that sounds, and he can go out there and still drop 25 points a game and yeah. maybe you disperse you know the minutes or you disperse you know the responsibilities to the other guy is is it enough to where he can still compete or is this well, like a calf injury I, that's going to affect him drastically i don't know if it's on his dominant shooting leg or without but if it's not on his dominant shooting leg uh what usually is done they they do a, like hard massages try to put a lot of heat on it try to make it you know basically solve for the game but it is going to get tightened up. The one thing about the calf, as you're going with time, is going to be get tightened up. But he, like you said, he's a tough guy, and throughout the game, they're probably going to be mas mas massaging it, give him some strong ibuprofen. But if it's just something, as uh, long as he didn't pull anything, like you're saying, if he's as tough as we know he is, he's going to play. So if he does yeah. play uh, a 50 percent Luca, how tough he is, I apologize. They they might can win that series because he's going to give it 200 percent. So like you're saying, like. If 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 if, if Luca comes back and he plays, the, the the Dallas Mavericks win because I've been watching them very closely because I'm gonna help some of those guys this summer. And the one thing I can say, everybody knows their position, everybody knows their role. Mm. And and the one thing about Luca, he does it's a good job. It's his left job. calf, by the way. Oh yeah, that's tough. That's tough. So he's a right hand shooter because if it's his left calf, a lot of power comes from that left leg as a shooter. And most importantly. The good thing is his step back isn't isn't that left leg. He's like he likes to step back with the right, but to shoot off that left leg yeah. off the fadeaway ash. Oh my goodness, that's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of flat shots. Yeah, you know what I mean? painful too. It's gonna be painful unless they you know he get a few get a few pills in them. You know what I mean? And, what's the and, what's the what's yeah. the percentage that Luca would have to be at? in order for the Mavs to advance to that second round. We're not getting 100% from Luka. Right, you're not, yeah. So I mean, what is the minimum percentage you think, given the way that the Mavericks are constructed, mm. that Luka would have to be at for him to still take this team to the next round? At least 80. 30, yeah. and, 11, 30 and 11 is a lot. And, and I don't know, you guys can always correct me. That's why I love this. But, like, who on their team right now can say, all right, I, I got it, guys. I can bring us 30. Right. I, you know, and this is where I was I was going to chime in at. You know, I don't know if he's going to get 30 every game, but 
this makes that Spencer Dinwiddie pickup a lot more interesting. Mm. Spencer, mm. Spencer Dinwiddie's a guy who's mm. carried an offense on his shoulders, right? I'm thinking about the time in Brooklyn when D'Angelo Russell and Karis LeVert went down. We were talking about Spencer Dinwiddie as possibly an all-star that year because he's the one that kept that team afloat. And he had a bad time in, in Washington. I spoke to him about that when the uh, when when Dallas came to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yo, you know, I, it just... Uh, he, he's in a better space mentally right now. And this is what, mm-hmm. uh, to be honest, this is what he's made for. These types of moments. I think back to the last game. I think it's his last game in Brooklyn was the last game in the bubble uh, or before the team went, before the NBA went into the bubble. He had a game winner in Los Angeles, which is where he's from. That was his last game before that, before COVID hit. So he's used to playing big games. He's used to shouldering a load. Now he's obviously coming off that, that injury. But I think he's a guy who can shoulder some of the load and maybe buy Dallas some time. If Dallas can get one win or steal a win with Luka out Mm -hmm. and maybe buy him time for him to come back in game three or game four and maybe now he's at 80%, I think that's the Mm -hmm. way to go. I think Spencer Dinwiddie is a guy you got to look at for the series for sure. Well, before before we switch gears and talk about the Jazz a little bit, if the Mavs don't advance to the second round, you as Luka, what are you going into that front office and saying the very next day? Because we've talked about this a lot. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it. It's Luka, and then there's the rest of the team. And yeah. it seems like the Mavs are not using the offseason and free agency and all the other tools at their disposal to surround Luca with the much-needed help. The Porzinga situation did not work out. But that does not mean that another situation won't. And it seems like they keep giving him the bare minimum and hoping that his superstardomness is enough to overcome that. And teams in the West, teams in the East, teams in the league as a whole continue to get better and drastically do so. And the Mavericks just don't seem to be keeping up with the pace of the conference and the league. If you're Luka, what are you saying to that front office if you don't advance? Open up that wallet. You got to make some <laughs> trades, right? And and part of it is, is cap, right? Because you at a certain point, you can't exceed the cap to sign new free agents, right? You can only exceed it to re-sign your own. So you got to look at some of those guys on that roster, right? You got to look at a, at a Dorian Fiddy-Smith who plays an important piece, but to get something, you got to give, right? You got to look at, at Tim Hardaway Jr., Dwight Powell, some of those big contracts. Like, yo, who can you move? You got to look at some of those draft picks. You got to try to get that piece that makes the most sense. But what position is that, right? Obviously, it wasn't the five or it wasn't the four. Maybe it is the four. Maybe Porzingis just isn't the type of player that you need. Lethal, mm. I'm not sure. What, what player do you look at around the league that maybe might be available for trade? Is it a Christian Wood? Do they need a player like that? I mean, I'm looking at it right now, and it's just like I don't see anybody that's a superstar superstar that's going to leave their situation right now. Christian Wood's great. I love his game. All due respect to him, but I don't think he's the missing piece right. that the Mavs need to fulfill what he's looking for. So it's just, it, this is tough, you know what I mean? Because yeah. Luca's right now. There's a great. They're a great team, but he's kind of a one man. He's he's pull, he's like Jokic. He's pulling yeah. the whole team with him. You know what I mean? So. I really don't have the answers for him. If I was in the front office, I'd be a little bit confused right now as well. <laughs> well, speaking sure. of confused, Donovan Mitchell's relationship with Rudy Gobert is very confusing. Oh, but Donovan, Donovan averages about 24 points versus the Mavericks this season. So right. that's, you know, uplifting and that's optimistic if you're a Jazz fan or just rooting for the Jazz and Donovan Mitchell. But it seems like him and Rudy Gobert, their chemistry is a little off. Mm. Not quite sure what's going on there. Allegedly, they don't have the best relationship. Allegedly, they're not the best of teammates. Um, There's been some contention between them. And that goes back to, you know, pre-bubble. You know, we've been hearing, you know, rumors and, and rumblings of they don't really get along. Their chemistry is off. 
is it too much of a disconnect when it comes to their camaraderie, their chemistry for them to overcome that? Is it is it just something that is going to ultimately be their demise? Uh, I don't know. I don't I don't think that's the case, right? Shaq and Kobe weren't the best of friends off the that's floor, a good right? Point, but, but Kobe was yeah, Kobe a was a different breed and Shaq, right. Shaq also right. didn't give Kobe COVID-19. So there's that right. as well. Um <laughs> I, I think it boils down to yeah, you know, I, I think there just has to be enough talent. At the end of the day, Kobe is one of the all-time greats and Shaq is one of the all-time greats. So no matter whether or not they had a friendship or not, it was going to work on the floor. I think Mitchell still has to take his game to another level, right? We need to see him, like, you know, the, the jump that Ja made season over season where he went from that star who was on the cusp to now superstar bona fide, right? right Donovan right, Mitchell right. should be in that same conversation. I think some people right. might put Ja ahead of Donovan Mitchell right now. I'm some people, right? right so, right. I, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell has to take his game to another level. And then you look at Utah. Yes, Rudy, it might be a change. It might be a time for a change of pace at that center position, right? At a certain point, yes, Rudy Gobert is a perennial defensive player of the year. Yes, he's going to get you them rebounds. He can score in the paint. But at a certain point, you might need more offensive production out of that position right. than you're getting, right? And we don't, we know Rudy Gobert is not a threat to score outside of what seven or eight feet. So it yeah. might be time for 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 a change of, of pace in Utah. I don't know. What do you think, Lethal? Yeah, no, I have to agree with you. With I, I have to agree with you because I feel like Rudy. He's a great player. He's a great defender. He's a he's a great. Um, he sets great screens. He rolls to the basket. Great. He he gets alley oops. But unfortunately, in today's game, you have to have some. I hate saying this, but he, like you're saying, he has to be able to stretch the defense a little bit more. He has to be able to. Um, shoot the mid-range jump shot and sometimes possibly take the three-point jump shot. And in today's NBA, we can honestly say there's there's probably no center that's not taking that three-point jump shot or taking the mid-range jump shot. So he's definitely going to have to take his game to the next level mm. in the next two or three years because he is one. He is the literally top three best friend of the NBA. But it is it does hurt them as well when the time gets brewing and it gets real spicy to really get things done because. Other than Donovan, you know, it's not like all right, let's just get Rudy the ball and play through him. Because all due respect, it's not like it's 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 a package. Yeah. So that's right. some that that's something that he definitely needs to work on this summer. Maybe hire like a Keem or Shaquille O'Neal or somebody to to help him take his game away, and then hire like a a shooting coach or somebody to help him um, master the art of shooting. Because I think, like you guys know, if he just has a left hand hook shot, a right hand hook shot, and remember, we're not asking him to be Jokic. We're not asking him to be. Um, to be like a Kevin Durant. All we're saying is help spread the defense. So so just have a baby mid-range jump shot, three-pointer here and there, and then have the left-hand hook, right-hand hook, and then break people's faces when it's time to dunk. Now when Donovan turns <laughs> that... When, yeah, now when Donovan turns that corner, um, it's the it's the floodgates. But, the now, but if you guys notice, Donovan has to score so many tough baskets going to the basket. It's so... It's scary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. before we move on to the last topic, I'm going to say yeah. this. I'm going to I'm going to stir the pot a little bit. Uh-oh. Cuz it's what I do best. Okay. Do Ash. If the Jazz <laughs> don't come out of this series victorious oh, against a Mavericks team with an injured Luka. Oh yeah. I as Donovan Mitchell, 25 years old, I'm reevaluating my future in Utah. I understand that he's constantly said, I don't want to leave Utah. I'm not going to the Knicks. We still will work on that. But, <laughs> you know, I'm not leaving. I'm dedicated to Utah. D-Wade got there and that just kind of, you know, further cemented his loyalty to the franchise. But look, this would be yet another notch in the mm. not going far in the playoffs belt. This would be another notch in the not going ahead and being a contender belt. 
Mm-hmm. How much longer at 25 years old, you are one of the best players in yeah. the league, do you give to a team that just seems to underperform in some way, shape, or form, whether yeah. it's due to injury, whether it's due to just not getting it done when it counts, whether it's to blowing a game seven, whether it's to this, whether it's to that. I'm just curious on how much longer that timetable is for Donovan Mitchell because we've seen when we've had conversations about Bradley Beal, when we've had conversations mm-hmm. about uh, Damian Dame, Lillard. Mm-hmm. we've seen guys give loyalty to a franchise and and stay by them while they try to figure it out, figure it out. And mm-hmm. then, you know, they're at age 30 and they still haven't figured it First out. And legacy. that window is kind of closed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that the window for the Jazz is closed. I'm right. just saying if I'm Donovan Mitchell and this season we don't go deep, especially when we're healthy to do so, I got to reevaluate some things. I got to start getting those wheels turning. Look, Ash, thank you for even bringing this up, right? So Donovan Mitchell is under contract with Utah for at minimum another three years after this season. He has a player option in 25-26, which if I'm him and we're not winning, I'm probably going to decline because I can get more money anyway. But he's under contract with Utah until he's 28 in the 2024-2025 season. Now, when you look at Utah's payroll, they don't have cap space to sign free agents until 2024-2025. So that's the end of this season, all of next season, and all of the season after that, they can't actually go sign free agents. They have to make trades to bring in top talent. Now, who are you going to trade to bring in that guy, right? Are you going to trade Rudy Gobert and Mike Conley, right? Are you going to trade Boyan Bogdanovich? And maybe you can put together a package around Jordan Clarkson and Rudy Gobert. A team might give you something for that. Mm-hmm. But that's the only way that they're going to be able to really improve this roster. And do they have enough pieces or draft assets or young players to get back that other star that you need to make this team a real contender? I don't think and so. And as we've seen, the game waits for no one. Teams are mm-hmm. getting better. Exactly. I mean, this is, a, this is a Utah Jazz team that a lot of people had in the top three. I did. Now they're out of the top three. It's a matter of seconds, a matter of games, rather, that things can change. And every year, teams are getting Getting better. Every year, those contenders, those teams to watch out for in the West are now becoming irrelevant. And new heirs to the throne are coming. Look at the Lakers. Perfect example. Look at the Clippers. Perfect example. Look at the Grizzlies. Top three in the West. The hierarchy is starting to shift. And it's either you're on a team that has a trajectory of being in that conversation for seasons and seasons to come, or you're on a team that does not have the ability to get better. Mm -hmm. And you're constantly riding that fence of just, okay, we're in the playoffs, but we don't make any noise. That's where the Jazz are now. And if they can't beat the, the Dallas Mavericks without Luka Doncic, blow everything, blow it all up. Blow keep, it up. keep Donovan Mitchell, get rid of everybody else, start from scratch because that's what you're going to end up doing in a couple years anyway if you can't beat this team. Well, before we go ahead and close out this edition of Three on Five, we got to get to topic number five. Mm-hmm. And before round one gets here, there are a few teams with a score to settle. There are four teams right now fighting for two spots in each conference. The play-in tournament started Tuesday night with a matchup between the Nets and the Cavs and the Clippers versus the T-Wolves. Wednesday, which is tonight, we have the Hawks versus the Hornets. You know I'm rooting for the Hornets because Mm -hmm. what the Hawks did to me last season. (laughs) And we have the Pelicans versus the Spurs with two guys I am big fans of. That's DeJounte Murray and CJ McCollum. Shout out to my guy, CJ. Christian, which teams do you think advance to the seventh and eighth seed of their respective conferences? 
I, I think it's going to be pretty easy in the East. I think the, the Nets beat the Cavaliers tonight, which is Tuesday. Um, and I think the Hawks beat the Hornets. So we get a play in matchup between the Hawks and the Cavaliers. And I think Trey Young beats the Cavs on their own home floor to, to secure that eight seed. So I think we got seven uh, Nets and eight Hawks. And I'm going to love that matchup Hawks versus uh, Heat in the first round. Um, and then out West. I mean, man, that's going to be Miami, tough. Go Miami, baby. You yeah. sent Trey Young back to where he came from. <laughs> yeah, and, and then out west, you know, we got Pelicans versus the Spurs. That's going to be a tough one too, right? right because right, both right. of those teams, I, I, I don't even know which way I want to lean. Part of me wants to lean with, with Greg Popovich, right? Because you don't want to rule him out. But the Pelicans, even without Zion, are proven they have a lot of pieces. If Zion comes back to that team and is oh healthy, I think they're going to be a problem next season. Right. I, I don't see it this year. So I think I'm leaning Pelicans. And then I think I'm also leaning, you know, Clippers and Timberwolves. That's going to be a tough one because the Timberwolves are really good, but the Clippers just got Paul George back. I think we're going to see the Timberwolves win that game. Do you guys think that we see a, I don't know, there's been rumblings. Mm. Do you think we see a, ben if Simmons. the Clippers, no, if the oh. Clippers advance, do you think we see a Kawhi, Kawhi? sighting? I think That's so. Tough. Ooh, I think Kawhi so. comes back for the first I round. Think so. Oh my goodness. Lethal, did you just say I think so? Do tell. I think so. I th you no, know because some? you know that no, no. If I did, <laughs> trust me, I'll tell. But I, I just feel like you know it's a reason why they're trying to like show that he's working out and doing all these things and moving well. So if he comes back, it's not like oh he tried to rest the whole season. You know what I mean? Wow. So I yeah. think he's gonna come back. And you guys are gonna think I'm crazy too. Like I think if the Nets do what they supposed to do, I think Ben might come back. Yeah, he is. I think he's yeah. gonna come back. And I'm telling in, you, Ash, they've been. Do you? They've been. They've been showing a lot. Like, let me think about this. With social media, you saw how they posted him on the page, Chris, and how mm -hmm. they're showing him warm up. Chris, you're there. You're front row. Yeah. And normally, when a player is not coming at the back, they won't do that. His swag starting to change up a little bit, and I like that. I mean, I, I think he's gonna come back, and it's gonna be a surprise. Yeah. My only thing with Ben Simmons is I think Kawhi is a lot further along than Ben Simmons is. I think yeah. whatever situation Ben has going on with his back, the fact that he can't even run is very concerning. Yeah. You know, you can show me all the videos of him shooting and doing layups. And if you can't get from one end of the court to the other, that's a problem. You know what I mean? You can't just stand on one side and wait for the team to come back. That's not how that works. So my concern is that he's is not in the mechanics it's in his speed. It's in his athleticism that is concerned. There, it just, it has regressed so much through the course of the season that I almost would think Steve Nash was a nut job if he put Ben Simmons out there. I think he could be more of a detriment to the Nets if he got out there not having played a single game with that lineup, not being able to run he would be more of a detriment than he would be. Again, this is the concept of assets and liability. Look yeah. what happened with James Harden. They put yeah. James Harden out there basically on one leg, and he really was more of a liability in a lot yeah. of sense than he was an asset to Kevin Durant. Yeah. I don't think that's the move. I think leave Ben Simmons where he is. I think the Nets get out of their playing. They can handle their weight. I don't think they well, need that. Well, you ben. know what? I just, I don't know if it, it with you I don't know if it's a smart move. Yeah, with you explaining it like that, you know what, Ben, just stay sitting because <laughs> no, seriously, because we don't we don't want any excuses that like if he doesn't play a certain type of way, they can say it's his back or yeah. just like like if if you're not a hundred percent, I agree with you, Ash. Like just just go ahead and sit. But if you are a hundred percent, 
say you're 100%, but if you play bad, don't try to say it was your back. So I agree with you. you if have you a good were 100%, right he'd be playing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know what it is? I, and I've said this all along. I, I always thought that uh, Ben Simmons sighting in the second round was more realistic because okay. backs are just so tricky, right? And mm. for him to just go from getting an epidural a couple weeks ago to, it felt like maybe 10 days ago, he was only getting rehab done. And now we see him lightly jogging. He was doing high knees today in practice, which I mean, right. that's better than not running at all. But right. he's one more setback away from potentially needing surgery or potentially needing uh, uh, even more time off the floor, right? Wow. And I think yeah. he needs to like really make sure he's good to go. But if that second round comes around, and he feels 100%. I, I don't think the Nets are going to just automatically start him. I think they're going to bring him off the bench, start playing him 12 minutes, 15 minutes, mm. right? And then if right. he if he's adjusting to the game the right way, then maybe you start him over Bruce Brown. Then maybe you see he starts playing 25 minutes, 30 minutes. If he's playing 30 minutes and there's no setback there, watch out for these Nets, man. I it's mean, I, also, awesome. think, you, I man. also think, like, Lethal, and you can speak to this, You the first time a player coming off of an injury plays with his new team, should not be in the playoffs like that. You don't have to be a Hall of Fame coach to kind of, you know, wrap your mind around that. This is not, you know, the last two weeks, you know, of this regular season. And, you know, for the most part, the seating set. And, you know, if you lose a game here, it doesn't matter. You're talking about bringing a player who has not seen the court in NBA real time in over six months into a playoff environment that is absolutely asinine. Steve Nash would be nuts to do that. And I honestly, I don't even think you bring him off the bench in the second round. The Nets would have to be literally hanging on a lifeline in that series, whoever it may be against, for me to bring Ben Simmons into the game. I think if you bring him in too soon, you are derailing next season. And ultimately, you are derailing his career. He, he just can't. He can't. Keep him where he is. It's just not right. worth it. Just it's for just right now, brother, it. just keep practicing. Keep shooting your jump shots. Let them post you on social media. And and like you're saying, like, just stay where you are. Because now that you're breaking it down like that, and this is the same person, all due respect, like his last encounter in the playoffs, it was a bad taste. Mm. And mm. the last thing the last thing we want to do is him come back, playing a game. Somebody might say something in the stands that trigger him. He might shoot an air ball, do something that triggers him, and then he's back in the state he's at. So I agree. I agree with you, as let's let's just sit this out. Let's um let's wait another summer and let's come back next season. But, but he's still Ben Simmons. You know what I mean? So if he if he's a hundred percent in the second round, if I'm the coach, I feel what you're saying. But I I'll throw him in with the second unit to see how he moves or something like that, then if he's not moving the way he needs to move, I'll snatch him right back out. But I'll still test As long it. as you snatch him back. I'll snatch him right back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, think there's, I think there's one more thing at play here, and that's like right. just the classic under-promise, over-deliver, right? right. There, there, there's, there is a scenario here where the Nets have kind of been downplaying or maybe overplaying Simmons's injury so that right. when he's out there, he's actually better than what we thought he would look like, right? I don't right. think, like, I think there's a reason that guys like Shams are saying, Shams reporting earlier today, hey, Ben Simmons could be back after if the Nets after game two, right? Like, if you're telling me he's going to be back in game, on game three and four, that means, okay, his back has to have some type of strength at this point for you to even be saying that, right? right. So uh, I, I still think it's second round is the best thing. And Lethal, I can understand why people want to hold him out maybe a little bit longer because, yeah. like we said, backs are tricky. But if he's coming back game three, looking like the Ben Simmons of old, Call it now. Nets in, the, Nets in the NBA Finals. Nets winning it all. I know. All 
All right, that was fun. Now we're moving on to our segment where we check out what's going on on the timeline. Obviously, it's called On the Timeline. You know what time it is. It's time to scroll down the timeline. It's on the TL. Here we go with topic number one. And this was wild. I was scrolling down the timeline and I saw Cam Newton's comments about women oh, who can't cook man. and who need to, quote unquote, learn to be quiet. Number one. Oh, I, man. Let, let me go first and then let, uh, let Ash Lethal, just, just take, take it over. away, bro. <laughs> so the, the one thing, you know, we can't do, we can't, because there's a lot of things that, you know, a lot of stuff that as men, we can't do as well. So I feel like as athletes that have platforms, it's certain stuff that we should stay stay away from um, when we say certain stuff about about women. So you know, you know, Cam's one of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. But that's that's all I had to, to say with that. I'll, I'll <laughs> let Ash, I'll let Ash finish that one off. <laughs> I'm gonna say this. Go ahead, I'm, gonna say, I'm gonna say two things. And be nice. One, be nice. Nah. This antiquated 1950s mentality that a woman's, you know desirability to men is defined by whether she can cook or clean. That being the criteria is just ridiculous. You, Cam Newton, are rich. If you want a chef, hire one. If your girl can't cook, but she's got a plethora of other things that she brings to the table, get a chef. Or yeah. here's an idea, cook yourself. Fires. You know what I mean? Get her cooking yeah. lessons. I yeah. don't know. There's a million and one things that you can do instead of degrade someone who does not know how to cook. There's a lot of things I'm sure Cam Newton doesn't know how to do. You don't see women exposing him for it. And then right. also the learn to be quiet. What the hell does that mean? What does that mean? Learn to be quiet about what? Yeah. A woman can't have opinions. Look, yeah. You know, her opinions are less than of a man. And look, I understand the gist of what he was saying. I just right. think that he atrociously, atrociously vocalized it. The gist of what he was saying, at least what I got from, what, right, from it, right. was... You can't just bring, you can't be a woman who wants a man with a laundry list of qualities right. and have a laundry list of expectations for bring a man. Bring to the table. And the only thing you're bringing to the table right. is being a quote unquote bad bitch, which is right. equating yourself to your looks and your appearance. Right. And there's right. nothing else that you have to the, bring to the table. You don't have any ambition. You don't have a career. You don't right. have this. You don't have that. In that regard, I agree. I'm I all agree. for people being what they want. If you right. want an honest man, you can't be a lying woman. If mm. you want an honest woman, you can't be a liar as a man. Mm. It goes both hands. But the way he worded it was just very antiquated. It was just very misogynistic. It was very just like 1950s mentality. And it's it takes away from what I think he was trying to imply. And yes, I agree. I think men by nature want to lead. And I think that a woman knowing when to let her man lead and when to take the reins herself is what the balance of a relationship with the mm -hmm. opposite sex entails. It's a give and take. Mm -hmm. There's sure. nothing wrong with that. We see it with marriages all the time. My parents do it all the time. My dad may have a better idea than right. my mom, and they go with that. Then my mom will be like, nope, we're right. doing it this way. My idea is better. And they bump heads right. a little bit, but ultimately, they follow it. It's give and take. The way he said it was just a very misogynistic, you know, they say in Spanish, machismo, like attitude, and I'm just not for machismo. it. Machismo. Like, nice message, right. wrong messenger. I wasn't here for it. Christian. Well, one thing, the one thing I noticed too, especially like in my relationship, like 
you know, even as the man, we we have to cook sometimes too. We Facts. have to do certain we have to right. do certain things. And, and and at first when I met my fiance, like I didn't know how to cook. You know what I mean? But she didn't make me feel bad. She'll say, Oh, what what can you cook? Uh, so I can cook pancakes and eggs and but <laughs> we, then she'll we say, eat Okay, pancakes for dinner. Babe. Yeah, well, okay, well, we'll <laughs> eat pancakes for dinner. So it's more like you know, as men as well, you know, um, of course, you don't want a woman to just look good and be there. Of course, like you're saying, Ashley, somebody has to bring value. But as men as well, we can't say if you can't cook because as men, you know, some of us can't cook as well. So let's make sure that we can cook and do certain things before we call them out. So listen, you know, Beyonce thing, famously said she can't cook. And you know what? Jay-Z still married her. You know That's why? Because saying. there's more to Beyonce than what she can do in the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, come exactly. on. Exactly. It, it boils down to this. Number one, don't talk about women that ain't yours. Number two, get, get you the woman who's right for you. Right? Mm. And, and that's all it boils down to. <laughs> Topic number two. <laughs> Lethal, Lethal, I'd rather talk about you than talk about Cam Newton because how did you get the, 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 the Detroit Urban? I didn't even know that, that his actual name was the Detroit Urban Survival Training Instructor. That's oh his real name. That's, that's, the, yeah. that's like his title. I just know him as the guy who'll be faking, disarming people. How, right, right, how did, right. How did you end up linking up with him? And it wasn't just him. You had, yo, you 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 a superstar, bro. You got a star study cast out <laughs> yeah, here. Talk nah. to us about how that happened. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I wrote a script. And um, he, he, I was supposed to do it the first time that he was with Snoop Dogg, but I was out of town. And then when he was in town, I, I wrote the script that I'm playing basketball. Somebody tries to rob me and then he comes out of nowhere. And then I teach him the art of shooting. So it's definitely a blessing to be a trainer and most importantly, show people my creative side with the art of shooting. But this guy is really the real deal. He's not like, he's like me. Like I'm a real shooting coach. I'm really good at my job, but I like to do other stuff on the side that people might say, oh, nah, he's not a real shooting coach. This dude is really a training and like, he was showing me stuff, bro, and asked that it's like we can really hurt somebody. You know what I mean? And really? so, like, this guy is oh, the real snap. deal. He's, I promise y'all, I'm not going to lie to y'all, like, he's really the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, he teaches people self-defense. He has a security <laughs> company. But most importantly, he's like us, team. Like, he doesn't, he's not like a one-trick pony. And the bad thing about it, he had to cut off his comments on TikTok because, like, it was like, I don't want to say like white supremacist groups, but like all these hateful white groups were attacking him and attacking his kids and saying, we're going to kill your kid because some people were mad that he was becoming famous off being a, 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 an instructor. But and when he told me that him and his wife, I'm like, damn, that's messed up. You know what I'm saying? But it just shows us the yeah, way the world is. is. Everybody wants you to just be how they want you to be. Just same with me. Like I'm a shooting instructor. So NBA teams try to tell me, well, if you're a shooting instructor, we want to hire you. But you can't keep that sponsorship. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I respect him and his wife so much is because they're breaking all odds just like us, just like you, Ash. Like, you do Sports Illustrated. Then you do the podcast. Then you do, like, you're not just a one-trick pony. And that's why the world sometimes is negative towards some of the stuff people like us do yeah. is because they they can't fathom to do it themselves. And that's why I wanted to collab with him because I love collabing with people who think like we think. Ash, you know, since we're talking about you know, I guess survival in a way and self-defense. If there was a zombie apocalypse, right? What's what's your what's your weapon of choice? What you gonna use to defend yourself, Queen? Oh, it's it's easy. It's definitely like a machete or like some sort of like sword, long sword. I watched <laughs> listen, I actively watched The Walking Dead. So me too, man. but why not like a Tommy Check gun? Check me, out. Check me out. Check me out. I'm gonna tell you why. I actively watched The Walking Dead. Yeah. And I know the gun 
or a gun. I said the right. gun. <laughs> a gun is the worst weapon you can have in a zombie apocalypse because the minute you fire a shot, all of them come mm, to you. So you need something that you can slice and dice them up with mm-hmm. and make zero noise because then you can go undetected. You uh-huh. fire a shot, you got to move camp or you got to run from wherever you are because they're all following the sound. Don't get a gun. It's the worst thing you can do. That's zombie apocalypse 101. I just gave y'all free game. So when the world <laughs> goes, you know, to the zombie apocalypse, y'all can thank me later. And if you have a sword, you can be on my squad. If you don't, <laughs> you're on the other side. Now, you know unless what? you have a What's... silencer. If you have a silencer, you're good money. Yo, let's go, you out of luck. Sorry. Hell yeah. As but what's the what's game. the what's the black the black character name on on there? She has the dreads and she uses the 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 samurai sword. Oh, Michonne. Yeah. yeah, but that's why now now that you say yeah, it, that's why she's so good. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know what, Ash? You made me read that. I might I might have to rock with the bow and arrow now. You feel me? The bow and arrow. You could do that. All you gotta do is have good aim. Two choice ain't gonna come for you. And you have good aim. I, I got good aim. My shooters don't okay. miss. You feel me? You know the vibe. Or you could just get a silencer. You in Brooklyn. You can find oh, those I'll take easy. Oh, I'll a silencer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Oh, topic number three is about me, y'all, because last, last but not least, and this isn't directed at any tweet or any, right, or any right, post right, on right, social right. media, but we're looking on, on the timeline and everybody's giving their opinions on who should be MVP, who should be all NBA. And those opinions are cool, but I actually got to vote. You feel me? So I got to just break That's down my blessing, ballot. Man. It is a blessing. And this is one That's of those things blessing, that bro. like when I was younger as a little kid, you know what I'm saying? Thinking that this is what I wanted to do. You know, I always thought, you know, one way that I could measure my success is when, is when I got the designation to vote for all stars, which I did earlier this year. And now I'm voting for mm-hmm. MVP and it's crazy, right? My Let's votes... clap it up for Christian real nah, quick. Yeah, Congratulations, homie. That, my my I, I, votes I, I, I actually... Don't, I, I don't want to cut you off right now, bro, but that yeah. like that like that's big time, bro. And that yeah. just that's shows how time. much how we much work you put in. I know, I know people see the jokes out of you, but people don't realize how hard you work and what you do, man. And you deserve that. Real talk, man. I appreciate that, yeah. man. Yeah, that's congratulations. Huge. Even the, if yeah. you do write about the Brooklyn Nets, it's still <laughs> congratulations. The, and the craziest part is, you know, my voice could potentially trigger an incentive for one of these players who might you know, make an extra 125000 if they make mm-hmm. first team All-NBA or if they get, get MVP votes. I wish. What? You should get a little. Give me, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Get a little they should. The <laughs> they should. You feel so me? Let's, but, let's hear how you're voting then. Yeah, so for my MVP, you're right, you get you have to go five, uh, one, two, three, four, five. I think number first place got, your first vote gets 10 points. Your last vote gets one point. Um, So for number one, I know a lot of people went Nikola Jokic. I went Joel Embiid. You know, I just compared the team's records. You know, obviously the Nuggets had a lot of players out, but the Sixers didn't have Ben Simmons all year, had a trade midseason, got James Harden. He hasn't even been as good as they wanted him to be. And they're still 51 and 31 at the end of the season. Joel Embiid is dominant. I I love his dominant style of play, protecting the rim, can score anywhere, impossible to stop. So I voted for him as MVP. Number two is Nikola Jokic because, I mean, just one man band. When you talk about Luka, he's kind of like if you supersize Luka, you get him beat. I mean, you get Jokic. Is what he's able to do out there on the floor minus the, the step. He's doing step backs too. He's crazy, right? Um, third, I voted for Giannis, obviously, just because of what he's been able to do this season. Again, just keeping the Bucks in that championship contention the way he does it 
points are absolute. His, his stat line is absolute. Like KD said, I gave him a vote for number three. Number four, I voted for Devin Booker um, just because, I mean, that Suns team is tough and Book is the head of that snake. You know, I feel like the best player on the best team in the league should always get a vote. Um, and, and I gave him my fourth place vote because I think there's a clear cutoff between those top three and Embiid, uh, Jokic, and Anadokounmpo and then the next two. So I have Booker at number four. And at number five, I don't know if anybody else voted for him, but I voted for Kevin Durant. And be, that's because we have to define mm-hmm. what value is. When Kevin Durant got hurt, the Nets were the number one seed. They were 27 and 15. Then he he missed games. They lost their next 11, never really recovered, right? And now you're looking at a team that's in the fighting for a playoff spot. That's all because Kevin Durant got hurt. I think that's really what value is. I think if he didn't get hurt, we might be talking about him as that number one for MVP. Uh, that's how I voted mm-hmm. for it in my MVP list. What do you guys think? Well, my MVP is Jokic, so <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh snap. there's that. Uh, I say it's... this, I say this, and then Lethal, obviously, give me yeah. your take. I say Jokic because I think it's extremely impressive if you look at, you know, I the know. teams and how they're constructed. I think the 76ers are a lot I more know. deep than the Nuggets are. I, I think know. it's really impressive that in a Western conference, which, yeah, is not as dominant as it once was, but it's still the West that the Nuggets are six seed and technically only three games behind the 76ers in the East, which means if the Nuggets were in the East, they'd be a much higher seed. I just think that's impressive that one guy is really truly responsible for that team's success. And that guy's Jokic. That's not to take away from Embiid, but I just think when you look at that, and um, Jokic has the slight edge in my vote than Embiid does, but I, I'm not mad at someone who gives it to Embiid either. He's been playing one hell of a season. It's fair to, to say that all of them deserve it, but I, I would have to go with Joel Embiid as well. And honestly, I don't really care who it is as long as it's a big this year because the bigs in the NBA have been doing a great job to show us that their presence is here and they're here to stay. You know, we've been doing a good job of glorifying the guards and a good job of always worshiping the guards, but we got to start worshiping the bigs as well because the bigs are evolving and most importantly, they're carrying teams. I guess we'll move on next to most improved, which was for me, um, it, it was tough. That was one of the most difficult ones for me to vote for because so many players took steps in their game this year. Um, third place, I voted for Jordan Poole uh, in Golden State. I mean, yeah. him just being able to now, like now he's a bucket, right? You're you're expecting him to come out there and get you 20 a game, 23, 24 a game versus last year. It was, it was kind of a toss up. You know what you were going to get from him. Mm-hmm. So he was definitely on my ballot. Uh, number two for me was Darius Garland uh, in Cleveland. I mean, when you just look at this Cavs team runs through him, right? He's the head of their snake. And, and when you look at what, what happened with Colin Sexton, he goes down. Um, he just steps in and this team gets better. And that's mm-hmm. because he, I, I asked this about, I asked this of uh, Coach J.B. Bickerstaff. It's just like he put in so much work in his game in the offseason. You've got players now like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving talking about, hey, we've got to figure out ways to contain Garland tonight in that mm-hmm. playing game, which mm-hmm. is crazy. But I think the most improved player in this league is John Morant. And that just goes to show you because Yo, last year, Ash. last wow. year he was already really good. Last year, right? Don't wow. don't get it twisted. But you right. have to continue to work on your game to go from fringe star to now absolute superstar. And I think him right. taking that jump, you know, it's just undeniable. He went from scoring what nineteen points a game to now averaging twenty seven. Right. You literally can't contain him. Right. And I think he still right. has a ways to go in his game, but just the way he's been able to move this season. I asked one Cavs player who their most improved. I asked one Cavs player to tell me why Darius Garland should be the most improved player. And they said, yeah, as, as improved as Darius Garland has been, the most improved player in my book is Ja Morant. And that that rang bells for me. I said, mm. When I heard that, I was like, yeah, you're right, because Ja has just been that good. So that's how I voted. What do you guys think? For me, I'm, I'm, I am actually have Darius Garland as my pick. 
I think because he's made a drastic improvement. For me, right. Ja has always been that guy. I think the rest of the world is just catching on to it. But I think he has already mm. shown that he is MVP caliber, that he's the leader of that team. And yes, that's not to say that he hasn't made strides. But when I think of most improved, I think of someone who kind of went from nothing to something. Like when I think of most improved, perfect example, people are going to be like, you're a Knicks fan, so you're going to say this. But mm -hmm. Julius Randle was a perfect player for most improved because his first season in New York was atrocious. Like he wrote a letter on the Players' mm -hmm. Tribune saying, apologizing to Knicks fans for how bad his first season was. And then the next season, it's night and day. It's a drastically different player. So for me, when I look at most improved, that's my criteria. And Ja has not made that drastic transition because he's always been good. He's always been elusive. He's always been a leader. He's always been the swag of Memphis. So for me, it had to go to someone like Darius Garland, who I think has made such a drastic jump in his career. You, you know, yeah. I, I, just to push back on that a little bit, I think that jump also comes from just getting more opportunity, right? Last year, right. he had to share the floor with, with Colin Sexton, right? right. So now you're, you're seeing that increase role in being the focal point of an offense. And if you're just going from numbers, he's only averaging four more points than he was last season in two more minutes, right? So right. Uh, you're right. looking at John Moran, who's averaging nine more points in basically the same amount of playtime. I'm like, okay, well, that also shows you. But I do, you know, I, I, it was tough but for me to decide that vote as well. But the team is also constructed around draw differently than it is in Cleveland. I think it's still impressive sure, no, that mm -hmm. with him, Darius not being the sole focus focal point of the Cavs, mm -hmm. I think that for him to just make that jump in his trajectory as a player. But I, again, I'm far from mad that you gave it to John Moran. I've been on the Grizzlies <laughs> right, train right, since right, day right, one, right, so I'm right, not mad. Right. Yeah, nah, John for me, for him to be, even in the conversation for MVP at this point, where people are looking at him like, can he even get this award this year? That just spoke volumes to me. I'm like, okay, he he's grown again. And I feel like it's harder to go from good to great than it is to go from great to greater, right? And mm -hmm. I just wanted to reward him for that as well. Um, next Interesting. Up, next up on my list is the Kia Defensive Player of the Year. Um, number three, I went with, with uh, Mikael Bridges in Phoenix. I mean, that defense starts and ends with him. Um, I, I just love his game altogether. He's somebody else that I had in the mix for most improved as well. Uh, I just didn't think he took the leaps that some of some of the uh, other players that I voted for did. Uh, number two, I voted for your boy Bam Adebayo. Ooh, um, ooh. When I'm when when you talk about just a, a versatile five who can guard everybody, mm -hmm. I mean he's switching everything on there, and no one can get around him. Right? He he's locking up uh, everybody. But I had to give my vote to Marcus Smart. Uh, for, yeah. for defensive player Dull. of the year. Number one, I, I think that with defensive player of the year, we, we tend to lean towards big men, right? That's why we've seen guys like Rudy Gobert, like Draymond, like, like Giannis in the conversation every single year. And it's just a, a nice breath of fresh air to see a guard playing like a big finally, right? Like he can guard everybody. He's tough, taking charges. Um, Marcus Smart was my defensive player of the year. What do you guys think? Yeah, I have to agree with you 100%. Um, I went to a few of the Celtics games this year and and. I like how he puts his face in there. He's not one of those guards that's afraid of the moment. And we need more guards to play with that type of tenacity in today's NBA. A lot of those guards, and like Ashley says too, Ja reminds me of that guard. You know, he, he'll put his face in a play. And, and Marcus Smart does that as well. So I have to agree with you. Marcus Smart has showed us this year that he's one of the top, basically the top defensive player of the year. Yeah. Listen, all love, all respect to Marcus Smart. Big fan of his game. Big uh -oh. fan of him. Here we go. I hear <laughs> but, it. I know it's coming. You, you on Bam. 
<laughs> Defensive Player of the Year is Bam Adebayo. Okay, oh, and as I told y'all in the yeah. beginning of the season, and y'all can yeah. run that clip back when you want to. I told you that Bam was going to have a breakout year. This is the year that the narrative of Bam Adebayo of a player is going to build, be built upon. This is the foundation right. the year will right. be built upon. Every year from this point will be compared to this year right here. Right. I think the fact that Miami all roads in the East run through the 305, mm-hmm. I think that them being the number one seed is very much accredited to Bam's defensive abilities. There's not a position he can't guard. No. I think also the fact that... You know, he was out for a few games and came back like he did not miss a beat says a lot about his defensive abilities. And yes, look, the Miami Heat, I say this all the time, they're a well-oiled machine from top to bottom. Eric Spolstra is a genius, if you ask me. The godfather, Pat Riley, we don't need to go ahead and gas him up. The accolades are there. This is a really good basketball team that constantly flies under the radar because for some reason, Miami is just not on the tip of everyone's tongue when they talk about the teams to beat. It's always the Lakers. It's the Nets. It's Phoenix. But Miami seems to always fly under the radar. The guys in Miami love that about themselves. They call themselves the kennel because they say, look, we're dogs. And when you play us, you're going to realize who we are. We don't care about the rest of it. Bam Adebayo is hands down the defensive player of the year. No mm. shade to Marcus. Bam's been doing this from the very beginning of the season. Mm. Hey, that is that is one woman's opinion. Let's see. Let's see what it boils down mm. to at the end of the year. I will tell you, though, I do have Tyler Hero as my sixth man of the year. You should. Right? That should when be you the look unanimous at, sixth yeah. man of the year. I, I, I don't true. think it will be, unfortunately, because I think some people are overthinking it. But there's nothing there to overthink. Tyler Hero is a ball. Tyler Hero came out at the beginning of the season and said what? He either belongs in the same conversation as Luca, as Trey, as all those guys. Mm-hmm. And now that I, I might not agree to that extent, but he's starting to put his money where his mouth is right now because the way he's playing, it's tough. I mean, how often do you see that, you know, one of the leading scorers for the top seed in the East is coming off the bench? For the top seed at any conference is coming off the bench. And that's what Tyler Hero has been. He's just been that steady mm-hmm. scoring presence all season long for them. Had to vote for him. Had to give some love for has to give some love to Kevin Love, obviously, in Cleveland, because I mean, when I think back to last season and just his body language around that Cavs team, which oh is didn't look like he wanted to be there. Right. And now right. he's just this. Smiling, this amazing teammate. Yeah, yeah, he's coming off the yeah. bench, being that veteran presence that they and needed. And he's not a spring chicken either. So that's exactly. Right. Yeah, no, nah, <laughs> I, I, I like Kevin Love. And yeah, my third pick, this was right tough because I wanted to go with. Yeah, my, I, my that's funny. My my third pick, I wanted to go with Cam Johnson, uh, in in Phoenix, but mm. I ended up I ended up voting for DeAnthony Melton in Memphis just because right. his scoring ability coming off that bench. He's he just. In, in some of those games where Ja Morant wasn't even available, I watched when the Nets went to Memphis to play. Ja didn't even play. And De'Anthony Melton came off the bench and gave him like wow. 25. Couldn't nobody stop him. Um, and, and that's just the type of player. And right. we've seen some of that from him in his previous stops. But him getting an extended chance to show his, his bag in Memphis, I just had to give him some love for my third vote. Which those are thought? my guys right there. Shout out to Cam and shout out to my, my, my guy Melton. Those guys put a lot of hard work on Yeah, 100%. Um, let's move on real quick here. Rookie of the year. This was the easiest one for me to vote. Uh, number one was Scotty Barnes in Toronto. He is taking that franchise over. Uh, I I knew he was going to be my rookie of the year early this season when the, when the Nets played the Raptors and he stole the ball from Kevin Durant on back-to-back possessions. Once he did that, I was like, oh no, this boy is different. Um, but so is Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley is a future. That's that's why I had to go with. He's a future defensive player of the year for sure. Um, he's, he's one of my, uh, 
defense team players as well. Uh, that's someone that this team is going to be able to build on for years and years to come. And third, right. you just got to go with Cade Cunningham. I mean, you could go with Jalen Green there if you wanted right. to. Cade really just put that franchise on his back. I'm excited to see where his career goes from here because I think that he's going to be special in a few years. What do you guys think? Evan is mine for sure. And that's mm. no shade to the rest of the guys. I think, honestly, I'd be okay with either and with any of them winning. But mm -hmm. Evan Mobley, to me, is just different. Yeah. And I just mm -hmm. think that the way he has resurrected this Cavs franchise, I mean, like you said, this is the piece that you build around. This is the future. You know, no shade to Scotty. I think what he's doing in Toronto is absolutely incredible. But I think, you know, the edge for me goes to Evan because I think everyone expected the Raptors to be a good team in mm -hmm. some capacity. You have a lot of experience on that team. You have a lot of leadership. The Cavs have kind of surprised a lot of people. This is a they team have. that just, when LeBron left, was in shambles. Like, yeah. this was a team that mm -hmm. not that long ago was still in the dark mm -hmm. ages of the post-LeBron era. And it's a squad of bunch of young, hungry talent that has really started to figure out you know, their identities and how they can play as a unit. And Evan Mobley is the nucleus of that for me. So it had to go to him. I'm going to zoom through the first team and second team all rookie uh, ballot real quick. For my first team, okay. I had Jalen Green, Kate Cunningham, Scotty Barnes, Evan Mobley, and the kid in Chicago that I love, Ayo DeSumo, love his game. Um, I had him first team. Second team, love I it. had Jonathan Kuminga, Herbert Jones, Josh Giddy, Chris Duarte, and Franz Wagner down in uh, Orlando. That's my, uh, my first and second team all rookie. And now we're going to get to first and second team all defense. First team, I had Bam Adebayo, Jaron Jackson Jr., Rudy Gobert, Mikhail Bridges, and Marcus Smart. Second right. team, I had again Herbert Jones. He's been just playing excellent in North in uh, in North Carolina in New Orleans. I'm um, at Herbert Jones, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Fred VanVleet, Drew Drew Holiday, and Robert Williams. Those are my first and second team All Defense. Um, finally, let's get to first, second, and third team All NBA because this one is. I feel like everybody goes in different directions here. Right, um, right. Here it is. First team, I got Giannis, uh, Tatum, Embiid, Booker, and Luca. What y'all think? No, Ja. Ugh, that is tough. Huh? Ja's on my second team. Well, Lethal, you just answer this because we got to go to Certified Bucket. <laughs> Christian said, I'm ignoring the prompt. No, you can take prompt. this one. You can take I'm a, that one. You can Christian take that said, one. I'm ignoring the prompt from the producers. Y'all oh, about to I hear all my it. takes. I ain't <laughs> even see it. I ain't you even see it. it. He you said, y'all not about one. to take this right, moment me, I'll zoom me. through these. I'll zoom through these real quick. All right, all right, all right. I wasn't even listening, so I couldn't. You see that? She don't really love me, y'all. She just act like it. listening. I agree with you, brother. I think you did a good job of putting them teams together. I thought Ja... Shout out to Christian, first-time voter. Clap it, clap it up for Christian. It's not easy. It's not easy to do it. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. But you're doing it. You're doing a good job, and that's why they pick people like you to do this because you're 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 not just somebody that's around the game. You you study the game. So like, I think you did a great job with these picks. I appreciate that, man. Nah, my fault. I was probably dragging it. Let's get to your certified bucket of the week. Before we end the show, it's time for my segment. And you know what they say. Pain is temporary, but buckets are forever. Ooh. That's actually a good one. They get, okay, Josh. They're get, they getting better, Josh. Making me look better and better every week. Verified with our stamp of um, I'll have to go with my certified bucket. I'm going to go with Joel Embiid um, because it's the first time, and I think in over 10 years, that a big man got the scoring title in the NBA. And like we said before, um, we, we're just happy that the big men NBA are starting to get their dues now. Mm. We're, we're happy that everything isn't always about the guards anymore. We're happy that big men are starting to get worshipped for, for how great they are. So shout out to Joel Embiid. Keep up the great work. 
And most importantly, keep that hunger. We love that you're hungry. We love that you're not one of those bigs that's trying to be cool. We love that you're not one of those people that's trying to be cool. You're one of those people that's giving 110%. He's a big that dives on the ground. He's a big that puts his body on the line. So continue to do that. And, and, and we appreciate you so much. He's the first person, the first big to do this since the Kill O'Neill, and I think in, in in 2000. So it was probably 22 years ago. So that was crazy. Wow, that's yeah. a long that's time. Wow, yeah. and that's that's yeah. the comparison right there. I think Joel Embiid, in a way, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think he's Shaq and Kobe in one player. Right, Shaq was this dominant post presence who could just get buckets at the rim, and but you also see Embiid posting up a little further out, hitting that little shimmy turnaround fadeaway, hitting threes, hitting big right. shots. I, I I love I love right. Embiid, man. I really do. Um, my certified right. bucket of the week is a kid down in Houston named Jalen Green. I mean, oh, man. In, in six of his last seven games, he's got 30 or more. And I know what we're mm-hmm. going to say it's the end of the season that for, for a bad team that's not really competing for anything. So these guys are going to have inflated numbers. But no matter what, the way he's going out and getting his buckets, I mean, it, it leads you to believe that this is something that he could do on a consistent basis next season and beyond. So shout mm-hmm. out to Jalen Green. That's my certified bucket. I watched him pouring on against the Nets. And um, I think he's going to that's that's not the end of, of him. We're going to see a lot of that next season and beyond for sure. And my certified bucket may not be of any surprise is going to my guy, Obi Toppin, for the simple oh, reason brother. that Kill there him. were a lot of people who didn't believe in Obi. I wanted Obi since day one. I was so excited when we drafted him. You know, he didn't have the most traditional rookie experience, you know, because of COVID. There was no summer league, you know, even training camp, even training, you know, with the team was a little bit. You really couldn't do it in full capacity. There were like groups and it was just weird. Mm-hmm. The rookie experience was weird, which I think ultimately gave him a very rocky first season in New York. I know a lot of people wanted to give up on him. I thought that Obi just needed a moment. He needed a traditional rookie experience from top exactly. to bottom. And yep. he would find not only his um potential. not only find his momentum, but find his confidence, which is ultimate and his potential. Yes. Thank you, Lethal. And is exactly mm-hmm. what happened. I think we're going to see an even better version of Obi next season. Yes. So he had 35 points versus the Wizards and 42 points and 10 rebounds versus the Toronto Raptors to close out the season. Jeez. There's light at the end of the tunnel there because you get to see what guys can do with the minutes that they're given. And, you know, obviously situations are situations and that will dictate certain outcomes. But I think Obi's future is bright and I'm happy that he's in a New York Knicks jersey. I'm looking forward to seeing him next season. And hopefully the Knicks have a better season as well. I'm so. looking forward to seeing Obi and not seeing Julius Randle. Oh, Shout out to the Knicks front office. In the, in, the, in the show, Ash. That's not what. That's not going to happen. <laughs> it better so. happen. It better happen. If you want, if you want to see Obi Toppin grow as a player, you better hope Julius Randle is gone. Julius is not leaving New York and leaving that money on the table. So we're going to go ahead and move on <laughs> from that. Gone. Sorry, he He's is out of here. I promise. He's you. not gone. You leaving a hundred? Pl- you leaving a hundred plus million dollars on the table? He already took the deal. Then he signed no, for, for his, four years, one away. No, that extension kicks in next season. Yeah, he gonna get that money in in, in New Orleans, or he and gonna where? get that money at, and wherever right. he go. That money, that money go with him. That is a wrap for this episode of Certified Buckets, everybody. If you couldn't tell from this episode and the banter at the end, we are officially back. So clap it up, everyone. Yeah, know the vibes. Good, good know to be the vibes. Back. And no better time to be back than the playoffs because things are about to get spicy. Oh, dear. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. I cannot wait. Listen, make sure you guys do yourself a favor and hit that subscribe button, rate five stars, and drop a review if you're listening on Apple. Shoot your shot on social media at Certified Buckets. No vowels in the word buckets. And we are on all social media platforms. 
We want to hear from you. And if you come correct, you might just hear your comments on the next show. But until next week, we are out. Peace. Peace. And that's it. Love. Peace out. And chicken grease. <laughs>